Alright, we are in Mark chapter 16. We just read about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice what it says in verse 11. It says, And they, when they had heard that He was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. After that, He appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue, neither believed they them. Afterward, He appeared unto the eleven as they sat at me, and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. So, this is kind of a sad part of the story. After Jesus rises from the dead, nobody believes it when they're hearing about it. And people are shocked by it. And I want you to notice how it mentions that he appeared in another form unto two of them. And I believe this is a reference to the two men that Jesus walked with on the road to Emmaus, in Luke chapter 24, if you want to turn over there, in verse 17, you've got two men that are walking along, having a conversation with each other. Jesus sees this conversation and He said unto them, What manner of communication are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered and said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto him, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have, cruci and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre, and when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even as the women had said, but they saw him not. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe, not the women, but he said all that the prophets have spoken. He called them fools for not believing what the prophets had spoken. And what's that specifically about? About the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He said, Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? And man, this is something, there's some things the Bible talks about that I wish it gave us, uh, the, you know, it recorded these things for us and it just doesn't. We'll have to find out when we get to heaven what all was said. But it goes on to say, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. Now, I know you guys get stuck hearing me preach the resurrection this morning, but who would have liked to have heard Jesus preach about the resurrection from Moses and all the prophets on the original Resurrection Sunday? I mean, probably one of the coolest messages ever preached. Only two guys got to hear it preached. And the Bible doesn't put it down for us. And it's just like, man, I, I want to, I'd like to know what all was preached on that day. And you know, I, I am not even going to pretend that I am even capable of getting up here and showing you from Moses and all the prophets all the things concerning the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. But I am here today to tell you that more, the more I study the Bible, the more I'm, I learn and the more I see the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ in the Old Testament. And I guarantee you there are still a bunch of things that I'm still not seeing. Some things that I'm, I'm missing. In fact, there's one passage just today. I've been challenged on this passage before on kind of something unrelated. And I've never had 
what I thought was a great answer for it. But when I was studying for this, I was like, well, that's the answer. That's talking about the resurrection of Christ. I never even caught it before. But let me tell you, the resurrection of Jesus is all over the Old Testament. And, and, so, and right here, it tells us that Jesus went through these Scriptures and He told these men that their problem was they didn't believe Moses and the prophets because they didn't believe Jesus had risen from the dead. He's like this. He said, ought not Christ to have suffered these things? Isn't this what we saw in the Scriptures? Which you just explained. Jesus being taken and crucified by the Romans. Isn't that what the prophets talked about? And the truth is, it wasn't. So in this story, while Jesus, He rebukes them, and He even calls them fools, and he told, and these are guys who would have claimed to believe Moses and the prophets, but Jesus said that they didn't, and simply because they didn't believe He had risen from the dead. And let me tell you, if you don't believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, you don't believe the Old Testament. It's just a fact. So sadly today, there's even people within the fundamental Baptist world who would disagree that the gospel that we preach today is in the Old Testament. And that blows my mind, but there are a lot of people preaching that today. And what they, and what they do, here's where they're, where they're going wrong, is they are wrongly demanding that we show them the very image of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ in the Old Testament, and they refuse to count the shadows. And what I want to talk about today are the shadows of Christ's resurrection. And I'm, I'm here today to tell you, I'm only going to scratch the surface on this subject. I would encourage everyone to do your own study on this, to search for these things, because it's all over. Jesus said, all the prophets spoke of me. But you know what? I can't go through every prophet and say, right here is where they were speaking of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I can't really, I, I, I'm not there yet. I can do it with a lot of them. We're going to do it with some of them today. But I believe that it's there. And in Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 1, I like what it says here. This is so key that we get this. It says, for the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of those things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. So the law, it was it was a shadow of what was to come. It was not the very image of it. It was just a shadow of it. And in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 3, it says, For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices, wherefore it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern shown thee in the mount. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which is established upon better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for a second. So understand, when God gave Moses the things of the tabernacle, gave him the things of the law, those were a shadow of the heavenly things. And understand, what gets us saved, what gives us access to heaven, it was never the earthly things. It was always the heavenly things. But understand, originally God gave them those earthly things as a shadow, as a way to point to what Jesus Christ was going to do someday. They definitely pointed to that. We talked about that with the Passover on Wednesday. 
how that was something that pointed to Jesus Christ. So understand, our Old Testament, it's full, absolutely full of the gospel. It's full of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but they're shadows. It's always shadows. It's not the very image. So when someone comes along and they're demanding, I want you to show me John 3.16 worded exactly the same in the Old Testament. Well, you can't really do that. We have the shadow. I want you to show me death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Well, you can't really do that because they only had the shadow of that. You are demanding we show the very image where the Bible says we only had the shadows. And so, it, and, it, it would, and it would be inappropriate for me, okay? You know, there's some of, some of you here that, you know, we probably know each other well enough that if I was to see just your shadow on the wall and not your image, I may be able to tell who that shadow belongs to. And if we see a shadow coming by and we're looking at that and we're like, who is that? And, you know, and I was to say, you know, hey, that's Brother Brian. I'm not wrong. No, that's not technically, and that's just a shadow. Well, if... I, I get that, but understand what we're looking at there, it's caused by him. It's from his movements. And it represents whatever he's doing over on, in between the light and that wall. And understand, when they were looking at those shadows of Jesus Christ, the, the, the very image of those things, you could say, was the gospel. And so if they trusted in that shadow, it counted as trusting in the gospel according to the Bible. So the Old Testament is full of these things. And so Jesus said in this, look what, in fact, look what Jesus said later in Luke chapter 24. In Luke 24, verse 44, and he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Do you know that the Psalms talk about Jesus? And boy, we could spend a whole message just going through messianic prophecies in Psalms. Jesus said, all these things that I did, the things that you had a problem with, Peter rebuked Jesus when he said, I'm going to the cross. But Jesus said, no, I have to do this thing. These things must be fulfilled. Why? Because it was written in the law. It was written by Moses. It was written in the Psalms. It was written by the prophets concerning me. And then in verse 45, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures and said unto them, and, and think about this. Folks, let's just th think about the importance of the Word of God this morning. Keep this in mind too for all the atheists that are out there that are demanding that they see evidence. I want to see Jesus first. Do you realize these guys didn't fully get a hold of the fact Jesus had risen from the dead even though He's standing in front of them until He opened the Scriptures to them? Ultimately, it was the Word of God that convinced them that the resurrection had happened. You say, well, how can they not believe it if He's standing there in front of them? I think they're thinking, our eyes are deceiving me. We're having a vision. You know, because remember what the men on the road to Emmaus said? They said they saw a vision. Well, did, it, did the women ever say it was a vision or did they say they actually saw angels? You know what I think these guys were doing? I think they were probably trying to say, well, it was probably just a vision that they had. They didn't literally see angels. Jesus didn't literally rise from the dead. And there's people out there today, even in the Christian world, who act like the resurrection was not a literal thing. It was a spiritual thing. No, it literally happened. And let me tell you, these guys didn't fully grasp it until Jesus opened their understanding to the Scriptures. Not their eyewitness account. The Scriptures. 
Did you know that the Scripture should be more proof to you than what you see with your own eyes? That's the way it ought to be. And that's, maybe that's why Peter, when he was speaking in his epistle, he wrote about how we saw Jesus on the mount. We saw Him when He transfigured. But you know what? We have a more sure word of prophecy. I think Peter got a hold of that. Because Peter's had a lot of things wrong in his life. But we know we can always count on the Word of God. And so he said in verse 46, And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. So Jesus, all everything He just said there, He didn't say, I'm giving you a new gospel. I'm giving you this new revelation. No, this is what was in the Scriptures. Why? Because Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And a lot of people today who teach that uh, Jesus preached a different gospel than Paul or that they had a different gospel in the Old Testament, you know what they always do? They always use 1 Corinthians 15 as proof where it says that the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. But you know what part they leave out? They leave out the part where it says Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And then He was buried and He rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. According, that's talking about the Old Testament. So to, again, to teach another gospel in the Old Testament is absolutely ridiculous and is completely unbiblical. In fact, the apostles, they finally got a hold of this. And in Acts chapter 3, in verse 18, it says, But those things which God before hath showed by the mouth of all His prophets that Christ should suffer, He hath so fulfilled. So He said, we're up here telling you about what we saw with Jesus. We're telling you about what we saw with His death, burial, and resurrection. We're eyewitnesses of the resurrection. But you know what? It's not just us telling you this. Everything that happened is what the prophets spoke about. All the prophets spoke about all the things that Jesus has done, those things were fulfilled. And so what I want to do in this message today, I just want us to look at some of these examples in the Old Testament where it talks about the resurrection of Christ. And again, I can't give you an exhaustive list of these places, and I'm sure I'm sure there's many I've never even noticed, but it is important that we look at this because the story of Christ's resurrection is in reality our story as believers. And that's one thing people forget. And this is something I'm going to show you in this message. But the resurrection of Christ and the resurrection of the believers is one doctrine. These are not two different doctrines. In fact, if you deny the resurrection of the believers, you deny the resurrection of Christ. If you deny the resurrection of Christ, you deny our resurrection. Anybody that comes along and says, well, I believe in one but not the other, they don't believe in either. And they don't believe in the same gospel of the Bible the same resurrection. It's one doctrine. And it's important they understand that too because some of these passages I'm going to show you and there's a lot more we could go to that are specifically about the resurrection. Some might say, well, that's not about the resurrection of Jesus. But folks, it's one doctrine. The resurrection of Christ and our resurrection, it's one doctrine. It's the same teaching. And so the first example I want to look at is in Job. We can go all the way back to Job, which they will say, Job was actually written before the time of the books of Moses were written. Obviously, uh, Genesis covers beginning things, but it wasn't written until the time of Moses where Job, this happened even before that. And it says in Job 19.25, and, and 
This is something we need to always remember too. You know, watch out for a lot of this, this teaching we hear in the dispensational world that people only understood certain things when it was given in the Bible. But no, there were things that they knew about before we see them recorded in scriptures. And without a doubt, Job believed not only in his coming resurrection, but also in, I believe he believed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look what it says in Job 19.25. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And you say, well, yeah, because, I mean, obviously Jesus was alive back then, but folks, Jesus is the Redeemer. And why does he even just need to emphasize this? Why does he even need to say this? And remember, every one of these things we're going to look at, you say, well, that's not real clear. Well, it's a shadow, okay? It's just a shadow. It's not the very image. None of these things I'm going to give you are the very image, but they are a shadow. And here he is, Job, is talking about how he knows that his Redeemer liveth. He knows he is going to stand at the latter day upon the earth. What does that have to do with the resurrection? Then he says right after that, And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. Sounds like a resurrection right there, doesn't it? How can you see God in your flesh after worms have destroyed your body? It's called a resurrection. Joe believed in a resurrection of the dead. And in that passage where he talks about the resurrection of the dead, he talks about how he knows that his his Redeemer liveth. And, And here's the thing about that too. How did Christ redeem us how was he our redeemer he died for us don't tell me job didn't know about the cross again i don't think he knew everything we know about the cross but he definitely had been had seen some shadows and he definitely knew some stuff and when he was speaking right here it just proves that he said whom i shall see for myself and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. And I don't know about you folks, but I'm seeing a shadow of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and I'm seeing a shadow of the resurrection of the believer in that one passage, just like Paul said when he talked about Christ died for sin according to the Scriptures and uh, rose again according to the Scripture. And in Psalm, or in 1 Corinthians 15, if you go to verse 12, he, Paul says, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, are we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified that God hath raised up Christ, whom he hath raised not up. If so, be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is Christ not raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins. For they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now in Christ, now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his order, own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward they their Christ that is coming. And you know what? I don't care what anybody says. Paul made it crystal clear if there is no resurrection of the dead, and he's talking about our resurrection. And if you don't believe that, just read the rest of 1 Corinthians 15. There's about 30 proofs in there. Paul said, if we don't rise from the dead, Christ is not risen. So it's one doctrine, folks. It's one doctrine. The resurrection of Christ and the resurrection of the dead in the future are one doctrine. 
You cannot have one without the other, according to Paul. And so, that, again, that doesn't go along with some people's system of theology, but it definitely goes along with the Bible. So, understand, it's all one thing. And uh, so, the, again, the, the resurrection, the story of Easter, Christ coming back from the dead, understand that is connected to us and it ought to excite us. Not just for Him, even though we're glad Jesus didn't stay dead, but it's for us. It's what gives us hope. We are going to rise again one of these days. And so Job believed in the resurrection. Abraham believed in the resurrection. Don't tell me Abraham did not believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we're not going to go through the entire story, but uh, go to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22 in verse 1, it says, and we all know the story. It came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Now take thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Okay? Now, we're all very familiar with this story, but I want you to think about this. Cause I, this is something else I never really noticed until this week. But imagine how Abraham felt at that moment. First off, God had promised that he was going to multiply his seed as the stars of heaven through Isaac. That was what God had promised. Isaac was, is the son of his old age. And when God tells Abraham to sacrifice his son, that had to be devastating for him. So Abraham gets this terrible news. He gets this terrible request from God to sacrifice his son. And Abraham decided he was going to do it. Abraham was going to obey God. He was on his way to do it. Verse 3, And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and uh, took the young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place where God had told them. So understand the pain Abraham is feeling during this time. Now, let me ask you a question. How long did Abraham have to experience this pain of thinking, I'm going to lose my son? Well, it tells in verse 4, Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Now, say maybe that's just a coincidence. I don't think it's a coincidence. Well, it's not exactly the same. I know it because Isaac didn't really die, but you know what it's called? It's called a shadow. It's just one more, it's just one more thing. Point to it. Abraham gets this dev- devastating news, but three days later, what happens? We see God ended up providing a ram for Abraham to slay instead. And think about how excited Abraham was on that third day when he didn't have to kill his son. So, folks, I I don't think I'm stretching things to say there's kind of a connection there. I don't think it's a coincidence that we have three days there. God always knew what was going to happen. In fact, and we don't see this in Genesis, but in the book of Hebrews, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, Look at what the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews eleven seventeen, And this is why you can't tell me that Abraham didn't believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him, in a figure. What's that talking about? A shadow. Abraham, I think Abraham understood what was going on. I think Abraham understood. I don't know how he knew it. The Bible doesn't tell us. The Bible just tells him 
that he believed that God could raise him from the dead because he received him in a like figure. I think Abraham did have some kind of understanding about how God was going to give his only son as a sacrifice for the earth and that he was going to raise him from the dead. And Abraham, he's like, you know what? God's the one that told me to sacrifice my son, but God is also the one that told me he was going to multiply his seed as the stars from heaven. And so you know what? If God wants to, God can raise him from the dead. You know why? Because Abraham believed in a resurrection. Abraham understood that. And I don't know, because I don't know all the details of everything Abraham knew, but without a doubt, Abraham believed in a resurrection of the dead. He believed in a resurrection of Christ. And it's all one, it's all one doctrine. Anyone who believed in a resurrection of the dead believed in the resurrection of Christ. It's one doctrine. And just because they might not have been privy to some of the details that we are today, it's because of the fact that God gave those things in shadows. And we are blessed to have the very image of those things. I'm thankful that we have the very image of those things today, but they're the same things. They're they're the same things. David also spoke of the resurrection of Christ. It says in Psalm 16, verse 9, Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope, for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life, and thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Say, well, you know, David was talking about himself and just going to the grave. No, he wasn't. In fact, proof of that is in Acts chapter 2, verse 30, where it says, therefore being a prophet... And folks, and we're, we're going to look at a couple examples of this. Often, prophets, whenever they would write, they would write like they were writing about themselves, but they were not talking about themselves. They were talking about Jesus Christ. There's no doubt about it. That was, that was one of the ways God spoke about Himself through His prophets, is these prophets, they would say things like it was them, but it was not about them. And so right here, it's just showing that David was a prophet, showed that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He's seeing this before. Seeing what? The resurrection. Spake of the resurrection of Christ. David spoke of the resurrection of Christ. You're going to tell me he spoke of the resurrection of Christ and didn't believe in it? You're going to tell me he wrote it in a psalm and he didn't believe in it? You better believe he believed in it. That his soul, talking about Jesus, was not left in hell. Neither did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Like in case some of you out there are thinking David was talking about himself, David is both dead and buried in his sepulcher is here with us to this day. He wasn't talking about himself. He was talking about Jesus. That's what, that's what Peter said in Acts chapter 2. So David spoke of the resurrection of Christ. And if David believed in the resurrection of Christ, David believed in the resurrection of the dead. Like we do, because we've already shown it's one doctrine. Isaiah prophesied of the resurrection of Christ. In Isaiah 53, verse 6, he said, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as the sheep before his shears is dumb, so opened he not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who should declare his generation... For he was cut off of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And where did that happen, folks? It happened at the cross. And what happened? He was cut off from the land of the living. You know what that that is? That's called the death. It's called the death of Christ. And he made his grave with the wicked. You know what that's called? That's called the burial. 
of Christ. And with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. Right there is a resurrection. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great and shall divide the spoil with the strong. Therefore he hath poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So right there without, I mean, it's, I mean that's, a, that's a really good shadow. I mean, that's almost three-dimensional right there. Well, it's, it's still a shadow, but boy, that's a really good one right there. Talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But again, it wasn't, it, it wasn't the full image. We see in Acts chapter 8 and verse 30 where the Ethiopian eunuch is reading that very portion of the Scriptures. He's reading that very portion of Isaiah. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest what thou readest. And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the Scripture he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before a shearer, so opening not his mouth. And his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who should declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speakest the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? Because remember, again, they often sounded like they were speaking about themselves. And so this Ethiopian eunuch, he's not sure. And so what did Philip do? He broke out his epistles of Paul, which even though Paul was still not even saved yet, and he preached the new gospel for the Gentiles. No, you know what he did? He went to the same passage and Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. He used Isaiah to preach Jesus. He preached Jesus. Anybody who says they believe the book of Isaiah and they don't believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is a liar. Because Isaiah preached about Jesus. Isaiah preached the gospel in Isaiah chapter 53. Hosea also spoke of the resurrection of Christ. This is one passage. A lot of people use this one to teach a uh, regathering or like a, uh, a reviving of the physical nation of Israel. Folks, this is... The, this does have something to do with that, but not like people are saying. Not even close. In Hosea chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Come and let us return unto the Lord, for He hath torn, and He will heal us. He hath smitten, and He will bind us up. After two days will He revive us. In the third day, He will raise us up, and we shall live in His sight. And I submit to you, and I'm not, I don't have a whole lot of time to prove this to you, but this is also a shadow and a prophecy about Jesus Christ. Because how did Jesus redeem Israel? Through the shedding of His blood. Through the death of the cross. And so when it says after three days He will raise us up, this is a, this is a reference to Jesus Christ and His resurrection. This isn't about a nation coming back to life uh, after 2,000 years. No, this is a reference to Jesus Christ. This is how He did it. And I, I wish we had more time to go through that, but there's a lot more examples I, I, I'm wanting to look at. But you say, well, that's still, that's not, that's not crystal clear. It's a shadow. One more thing with three days about him reviving people. Because without a doubt, God was going to revive Israel. The question is, how is he going to do it? 
It wasn't about bringing a physical nation back to life and placing them in a physical land again. It's about a spiritual revival because that's what Israel needed because they were sinners. And the good news of it, we learned through the Apostle Paul and through the Apostles that the Gentiles could be included in that too. So this doesn't have to be exclusively about Israel. We can claim this for ourselves too because the, 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 the resurrection of Christ is our story as well. And so another place where we see the resurrection of Jesus Christ is Jonah, the book of Jonah. He prophesied about the resurrection of Christ. In Jonah 1.17, it said, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And folks, that's about Jesus. So that's about Jonah being three days and three nights in the whale's belly. I know, but it's a shadow of Jesus being three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. How do we know that? Jesus said so. Take it up with him. Matthew chapter 12, verse 39. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so should the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So that, that's what that was. That was a picture of. That was a picture. That was a shadow of Jesus Christ. In fact, if we go to Jonah chapter 2, it says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. And remember, prophets would speak about Jesus in a way where, they would, where it sounded like they were speaking about themselves. But I'm going to show you what Jonah is saying here did not happen to Jonah. But it did happen to Jesus. It says, And said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardst my voice. Now, do we believe Jonah that literally was in the whale's belly, or do we think he went to hell? No, he was in the fish's belly for three days. The Bible tells us that. But he said, I cried out of the belly of hell. It says, For thou hast cast me into the deep, into the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then said I, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remember the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. What's going on there? You know what? God saw the travail of his soul, and he pulled him out of death. He pulled him out of hell. And we know that wasn't Jonah that happened to, but it was Jesus. Jonah is writing about Jesus. Jonah never went to hell. Just like David never went to hell, these were prophets speaking about the resurrection. Did you know that, for example, David, go ahead and turn over to Psalms chapter 22. Now, again, if, if you want to go ultra little and say, no, that happened to Jonah. No, these things were about David. Well, again, Peter would disagree with you about David going to hell. But also, are you going to try to tell me all these things happened to David? Was David talking about himself here or Jesus in Psalms 22? In verse 16, when he says, For dogs have compassed me, the assembly of the wicked men have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Anybody remember that story in the Bible where David got his hands and feet pierced? I don't remember that story. I tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. Anybody remember that story in David's writings? I mean, and we're not, we don't have, we're not going to go through all that, but he goes on talking about how his bones are out of joint. When did that happen to David? It never did happen to David. What was David doing? He was speaking prophetically 
about Jesus Christ. He was speaking prophetically. Remember what he said? David said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In that passage. Had God forsaken David? Now, I don't doubt that there were probably some times in David's life where he felt that way. And I and maybe when he wrote that, he wrote many psalms when he was at very low points in his life. But without a doubt, the Bible tells us David was a prophet and David, when he would write the psalms, maybe even expressing how he was feeling, was actually writing about the very Messiah, about Jesus Christ. He was writing about his death, burial, and resurrection. And no, I've never heard anybody claim David got his hands and feet pierced, that all his bones were out of joint, that they divided his garment among them and cast lots upon his vesture, that they gave him vinegar to drink. None of these things, we don't see these things with David. These things were about Jesus Christ. And so we really, in this, we really only look at a sample of the messianic prophecies. But Jesus said all of the prophets spoke of him. And you know, I don't think it's necessary for us to understand all the shadows. By all means, I would challenge everyone to study this and get excited when you see these shadows. But you know what? Thank God we have the very image of those things. I'm thankful that we don't have just Isaiah. I, I love having Isaiah chapter 53 as just bonus. I like having Jonah as bonus. But isn't it so much better that we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Isn't it so much better that we have what the Apostle Paul said? Isn't it great that we have the book of Revelation where we have Jesus alive and well speaking, saying, I am he that was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore and have the keys of death and of hell? That tells me if he has the keys of death and of hell... That tells me he has control over all these things. And that means, again, if the Lord tarries is coming, we are all going to die one of these days, but we will not stay dead. Where's the proof? Jesus Christ is the proof. He is the first fruits of them that slept. And so, you know, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. And, I, and so while you don't have to know all the places in the Old Testament, we showed you enough to just show it's all, this has always been God's plan. And if God was so meticulous and so detailed to just make sure He wrote all these things in the Old Testament and He preserved those things, even though they weren't going to be fulfilled for hundreds of years later, you know why would God, with His perfect record, want to mess it up and not raise us up one of these days. And so I understand Easter Sunday, it is all about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but there is nothing wrong with us looking at that story of Jesus Christ and seeing hope for ourselves in there too. Paul said, if we, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. This is not all there is. If you are saved today, there is more coming for you. There is a resurrection coming one of these days. And I'm thankful for the full picture in the Gospels. And so we looked at enough to leave no doubt God has always had a plan to send His Son to redeem fallen man. Job understood it when he said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. And He shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. The pl- Abraham understood these things. That plan, and you could say too, it's not completed. Or a better way you could say it is is in this time, in the, our current timeline right now the plan has not fully played out but understand when jesus rose from the dead and got the keys of death and of hell the work was finished 
we're just we're just kind of waiting to see the things play out. It's like when you're it's it's kind of like when you're watching a movie. If you're watching a movie, you know, a lot of times if you've never seen it before, you have a hope for how it's going to end. Right? You're you're kind of hoping the person survives or something like that. But the truth is, when you're watching that movie, it's already determined how it's going to end. Your hope or how you think it's going to turn out is not going to change what's going to play out. And understand when it comes to the resurrection of the dead, that is something that has been determined. It is going to happen. Nothing is going to change that. No matter how much you try to twist the scriptures, no matter how much you choose and say, I'm not going to believe it, it is going to happen as sure as Jesus Christ already did rise from the dead. So there's still death in this world, though. People still die, saved and lost. But we have been promised an inheritance on this earth. We've been promised a resurrection. And just as sure as Jesus rose, we will rise one of these days too. So I think it's appropriate on Easter to celebrate for sure the resurrection of Christ. But you know what? I don't think it would be wrong for us too to just talk about our resurrection too one of these days. I think, I think Easter is a good time to go visit maybe some loved ones in a cemetery and be reminded of the fact that just like Jesus came out of his tomb one day, your loved ones that are buried in these cemeteries out here, one of these days they're going to come out of that grave if they were saved. And that, I'm excited about that. We should be reminded of that every Easter. And so I hope this was a help and blessing. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much again for the hope that you give us through your word. I thank you for the shadows that we can look back on and just uh, cause us to be amazed and in awe of your word. And Lord, I pray that um, you'll help us as we try to spread this message to the rest of the world, help us to understand that you are their only hope and that they, they desperately need you. And I pray we'll see many poor people saved before your return. In your name we pray. Amen.